Welcome, everyone, back to the broadcast. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network, and I am joined on this holiday bowl day by Tracy Pearson. Tracy, how are you? I'm I'm just okay, Dave, and you don't sound incredibly wonderful, like your usual like glowing wonderful self. Yeah, I know. I'm usually just ebullient. Uh, today, I would describe myself as... Signi- ebullient? Yeah. Uh-huh. Ebullient. And today I would describe myself as significantly less fizzy. Um, as am I. Yeah, we are both uh, nursing. I would describe them as heavy colds. Uh, you yeah. have been proven uh, to be the true bearer of uh, simply a heavy cold. I am awaiting um, information on whether I am the bearer of a heavy cold or the bearer of a novel coronavirus. Well, this is what's really interesting about it because they – you know, let's say you get this cold and you're sitting around and go, okay, and you're waiting for your test results. And everywhere you look, it says, okay, well, um, it's the, the uh, symptoms are uh, uh, the sniffles, headache, uh, sore throat, and a cough. Yeah, that's the. Those are all the symptoms of a cold too. <laughs> those are all the symptoms of life. Um, yeah, as a I as mean, a father of an eight and a five year old. Um, oh, oh, and missing, and and you you lose the sense of taste. Well, I mean, doesn't everyone when they get a, a, a sniffles and stuffed up nose lose their sense of taste usually? So yeah, there's no way to determine from the symptoms really what you have. No, no, and there's no way to determine it otherwise because nobody has any tests available. Walgreens website was down yesterday, like just down. Yeah. Couldn't even look up anything. It's the end of days. I went. I had to go stand in line, and uh, out in the cold, on. Christmas Eve day, and there were a lot of disgruntled people <laughs> in line. And I have to admit, it, it was the site was not run very efficiently. It it was it was kind of a uh, you know a cluster shit show. Kind of a um, kind of a mess. It was a mess, and everyone was not happy. Yeah. So yeah, you, you got to be patient to get that test out. Yeah. There. Yeah. So uh, here we are. We're yeah. recording this show because we, more than anything else, were dedicated to you, the listener, the bro subscriber. And, and neither of us, we were both, well, I was, and I thought you were tentatively planning to go to San Diego. Yeah, there was a the thought. Game. There was a thought. Uh, but then we just had a can I mean, there's no way I'm going to sit in the press box and get off one of those big hacking cough vents and just scare the crap out of everyone. Though it would be me, kind so. of funny. I think if, if Brian Doan were still on the beat, I would probably consider it. Could you just see me like in front of Chip Kelly? Like usually when you're, uh, you know, interviewing, you're within, you're about six feet away. Yeah. And I and I go on just a big coughing <laughs> fit right in front of him on tape. That would have been, that would have been great. That would have probably gone viral. That would have been, that been <laughs> viral. <laughs> that would have been great video. Great video. Oh uh, God. God, my daughter would make fun of that dad. No, it was really good. It was viral. Thank you. It was, you know, she. I've told you this. She can do dad jokes, and it's funny. I do puns and stuff, and she. Just and goes well, no, it's you do puns, and people want to die, which is, I think, the only way that a pun actually works. Yeah, and I so I don't do them anymore because she's made fun of me so much, so I don't do. Well, them that's anymore. that's just not having uh, pure dad armor right there. Oh God, uh, yeah, you're you're at the beginning of the curve, dude. Wait. So I, I this is almost sadistic because it's my five year old I do it to. But she yeah. will say, I'm thirsty. And, like, I don't, I, I honestly don't know what's wrong with me. But, like, half the time I'll respond with, hi, thirsty, I'm dad. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, to the point where I'm she, like. I'm picturing you in Bermuda shorts. Oh, my God. White socks yeah, yeah, yeah. up really high. And I'm like, why am I doing this? I, this isn't, this isn't acceptable. This is, this is unacceptable behavior. But I can't stop. I can't, I just can't do it. Can't stop. It kind of, they they bring it out in you. Yeah, like I was never I never made dad jokes before I was a dad. What the hell? I think it's like yeah. the like the like like very 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 low level resistant to like oh, God. This person's very like I'm very responsible for this person. Let me just yeah. like make fun of them a little. Yeah, I guess I, I don't know. I don't know. There's a there yeah. There's a, yeah. There, there's something to there's delve a lot into. Going hey, on. we're five minutes into the show. We haven't talked about UCLA. Yeah, we, we got to always give five minutes, I, I think. Yeah, That's five minutes of right. material. We're working it out. Um, okay, Holiday Bowl, Dave. You are the guy. You know everything about North Carolina State. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here's how many um, games of North Carolina State I've watched. 
That's how many. Uh, yeah. Um, the headline here, obviously, and we'll lead with that. You wrote a preview. A beautiful and preview. And since then, <laughs> UCLA's players are dropping like flies. Quantrez Knight, its most productive defensive player, is out. Uh, we knew Otito Agbanya was. Um, Chip Kelly said he was out with an injury. Uh, Tyler Manoa um, has, uh, there has been announcements that he's out. Antonio Maffi did not make the trip, according to his father on Twitter. And then just yesterday, um, the freshman defensive tackle who was going to step in for Otito Abanya, Jay Toia, said, good luck to my brothers down there in San Diego. <laughs> and then Ethan uh, Fernia um, was not at practice. And then we saw him receive that award and he was in just warm-ups, and that was yesterday. So I think there's a chance he could still play, but dang, if you haven't practiced in 10 days and then go and play a football game, I don't know that if that's you know what that does to your body. But then these are the minimum guys we know that are, and those are critical guys, and where it really hits is obviously that defensive line and then losing three guys on the defensive line who were... <coughs> Uh oh, the coughing's starting. <coughs> Who were um, in the main rotation, and then Quantra's night. That's a blow to your defense. That's a considerable blow. It is. It is uh, the depth. Uh, it's not even just the depth up front. It's it's significantly. I mean, we're talking about Martin Andrews starting, and he played his first game in like four years, two games ago. Yeah, well, that's not. Um, he looked good. He did. I he like, did. Yeah. We're not gonna. We're not gonna knock that. He did look good, and I always really liked him. But I, I don't know if he's ready to start a football game. Um, and, and the funny, the the thing about this team, I, I mean, I can you know we talk a lot about personnel management with under Chip Kelly. Um, the defensive line, and you got to give a lot of credit to Johnny Nansen in just his two years there, had a lot of talent and a lot of depth this year. Um, there were a couple of guys. Jay Toia was slated to start at USC, and he couldn't crack the starting lineup at UCLA. That's not necessarily saying that much, but you get the idea. Um, but there were some other guys. Tia Savea looks really good as a true freshman. Um, there's some depth, so even with missing those three guys, yeah, there's, there's some vulnerability and not a lot of depth there, but I mean... In years past, if they have lost three defensive linemen, think about the year. I mean, I don't know who they would be. Think about the year that Chase line. Moline started every game at defensive tackle, and then think about if Chase Moline and like the two guys behind him were out. Who would? Play? What would that defensive They'd line have been? Like a backup. It would no. It would have been. It would have been. It would have been offensive linemen playing defensive line. Yeah. Yeah. Like they would like, have had to get uh, weird. So that's not good. Uh, but it's still, I, I think you make a good point, which is like of the places where this could hit, defensive line is probably one of the better ones um, because they do have some bodies. Um, you know, I think Daytona Jackson and Odua Isabor, both good players. Zavea, to your point, looked good when he was in. And Martin Andrews, you know, he hasn't played a lot in the last few years, but he's, all, I've always really liked him as a player and uh, he's played pretty well since he's been back. So that's four guys in your interior rotation that, you know, you could make that work. Well, I mean, put it this way. You've got, uh, to our knowledge, Mitchell Agude, who has looked good the last few games, perhaps the best player on defense over the last couple of games. Daytona Jackson, who's been solid all season. Um, Adua Isabor, who's come on. <coughs> oh, dang. Uh, then Martin Andrus filling in mostly at that nose tackle-like position. And then behind that, you know, you got Savea who's going to give you time. Devin, you know what it's, <coughs> sorry, Dave. You know what's going to happen is probably they won't, they just won't be able to rotate, but the quality might be pretty good. Yeah, that's they, kind of what I'm thinking. So so maybe they just get worn down in the second half. Yeah, and the thing is, this isn't an NC State team that's um, predisposed to try to wear you down. They're much more of a throw it around team. Um, so. I don't know. Like all things considered, in a it, this isn't the like decimating factor that I think it 
might be in a you know a game against say Oregon this year or um, ASU this year. You know, Rashad White running through this defensive line might be a different story, but NC State really doesn't have much of a running game. So, I think it'll be okay up front. Um, they really can't afford much more, though. Uh, it's a good thing that it really hasn't hit linebacker at all. Um, but, at least as far as we know, uh, it seems like this kind of info is trickling out. I think if they would lo- if they lost too much more, they might be in danger of canceling. Um, especially on the defensive line. Like, if they lost two more bodies, would they even be able to play? Well, uh, that's a good little intro to uh, discussing the CDC uh, reducing its um, isolation requirements from 10 days to five. And that those 10 days... Uh, UCLA is dictated by the County of Los Angeles and UCLA's protocols. But I would think... You know, I I don't know. I shouldn't comment. I don't know how quickly the CDC's changing that guideline trickles down to the county of LA and UCLA. But (coughs) you would think it might trickle down fairly quickly. um, And that might change who they would get back. That's an interesting concept. Yeah, it would be interesting. I, 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 yeah, it depends on how quickly that gets implemented for you. Dave, I'm going to go off and cough for like three minutes. You handle this for a while. All right, yeah, you go cough. Okay, go, okay, bye. Go cough your brains loose. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if the CDC handles that any differently, uh, or if uh, if UCLA handles it any differently immediately based on the CDC changing their guidelines. Um, it's... Uh, yeah, uh, looking at it, and it depends, I think, also on symptoms, whether or not they have um, actual symptoms of COVID or whether it's asymptomatic. Uh, but as of now, um, that looks like the position group that's hit the hardest on the defensive line. Uh, and luckily, they're not yet. And it's it, really none of the bowl games have been canceled this late. Um, I think the one that was canceled latest was the Hawaii Bowl, which was the night before, if I remember correctly. Um, so at this point, it's, it's, uh, it, it, it would be hard to imagine them actually canceling the holiday bowl, um, since it would be like literally nine hours before the game. So, uh, more than likely it's on, well, we're going to watch some football. Just a question of how many, how many Bruins will be available for, uh, I, the football I, game. I went, I went and like took a couple of hits of Delson. I love it. I love it. I, I I'm I must be a couple of days behind you in our super cold because uh, I haven't yet hit the, uh, you know, uncontrollable coughing when I try to talk too much. I'm just in the. Um, I sound like shit. Like I just. This sound is awful. actually my first decent day, and this is day five. Damn. Where I'm feeling better until I started talking to you. So there you go. We're killing it. Um, yeah. Damn. All right, so uh, this, this is a way I, to do I, a I was podcast, I was right? telling the listeners out there that uh, I don't think the holiday bowl is going to be canceled because they wouldn't wait till this long. Couldn't. Yeah. No way. So it's so. probably on, um, and yeah. I think it's going to be. Here's the thing: throw all the COVID stuff out, and I think we just said basically the defensive line thing. It's not good. It's not going to be great. It's not a deal breaker for UCLA winning this game because it's not. NC State's not the kind of offense to really um, make that a disaster this is this should be a really fun game like it should be a really good game um because you've got nc state they have an elite defense really really good and you got ucla which has an elite offense i think the way nc state is predisposed offensively makes it a tough matchup for ucla's defense they do throw the ball around a lot they've got a lot of receivers who are good which is just not a good recipe for success against the secondary um it's going to be it's going to require UCLA's offense which is elite to be more elite than NC State's defense which is elite which I think is going to be a lot of fun to watch like how Chip Kelly schemes on that side of the ball um to make them uh you know basically operate at their we're beaten up on a patsy level against a really really good defense is going to be really interesting and fun I'm having kind of flashbacks um Tell me if this sounds familiar. Holiday Bowl, uh-huh. NF, ex-NFL coach uh-huh. uh, at, uh, as UCLA's coach. Uh-huh. Um, uh, you know, the present coach kind of has had a little bit of a rep for not necessarily taking certain games seriously, let's say, like uh, prioritizing winning. 
and maybe not prioritizing this game necessarily as being that important and and uh that facing a team that is very serious about winning this bowl game you know what i'm saying you know where i'm leading going with this yeah so they're gonna get blown out like uh baylor uh damn don't you okay so here's the thing here's the thing uh when was the last time anybody here watched ucla win a bowl game in california Feels like another lifetime. Like seriously, when was it? I just. <laughs> Where's Brandon when you need him? I, you can't ask me. Those so they haven't won. They haven't won in the Bay Area in forever. Like that Foster Farms thing, no. And they haven't won. I think the last two they won were both in Texas. Yeah, we're gonna. I'm gonna put. You're, gonna, I'm gonna, you're I'm gonna, looking. I'm pulling up. this up because I, I I need to. I need. I need some clarity here from uh, from the good old people at Sports Reference. All right. They won the Alamo Bowl. They won the Sun Bowl. They won the Eagle Bank Bowl. They won the Sun Bowl. They won the Vegas God, remember Bowl. remember that Eagle Bank they Bowl? They won the Cotton Bowl. Oh. They won the Sun Bowl. They won the Cotton Bowl, Aloha Bowl, Freedom Bowl. Where was the Freedom Bowl? Uh, should have been in Philadelphia. Okay. The last <laughs> bowl game UCLA won in California was 1985, the year of my birth, and it was the Rose Bowl. Oh, wow. That's a great point. No one's brought this up. You're, 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 you're like, you're good at this. I'm bringing it, bringing it today. Um, are, but we've watched this game a lot. So look, I'm talking it up and I think it's going to be fun. Um, but uh, I, the same sort of deal and Chip Kelly's kind of proven this one wrong, but the same sort of deal is the post USC hangover. Uh, the nothing bull game in California uh, really does not drive uh, much interest for, I think the UCLA players or the coaching staff. <laughs> Projecting the least attended Holiday Bowl of all time, and not by a small margin. Are you ready? <laughs> are you ready for another one? Dave Doran. Yeah. Where was he born, Tracy? Oh no, he was born in San Diego. Born in San Diego, California. <laughs> He's coming home. He's coming home. So you mean half of those thirty thousand people are they're going to be Doran family, family members? Yeah. No, sorry. This uh, there's just a lot of. There's a lot of soft factors here that are not playing in UCLA's favor. <laughs> that's a good. That's a way to put yeah. it. Yeah, I don't know. Those might be hard factors. <laughs> at this um, um, regardless, though, yeah. I think it's going to be fun. I actually think it will be. Um, I don't. I don't see a Baylor level blowout. Um, I, I just. I don't think NC State has the offensive firepower to do it. It's really going to come down to that matchup. Whether because UCLA's offense, I think, especially over the last two or three games of the season rose back up to that super elite level like when dorian thompson robinson came back and he was just firing bullets everywhere um if they've maintained that you know and it's it's tough to know you know whether you maintain sharpness a full month after uh the season's over um but if they have maintained that i I think they have a they stand a decent chance of kind of ripping apart any defense even a pretty good one uh but if they're if they're a hair off if you know if they're uh if they're a little bit rusty, um, then I think it's going to be tough uh, because I think NC State, uh, they're, they're not a great offense, but they are kind of, they fit into the piece of UCLA's defense that really isn't very good at all. Okay, let's do this. Since um, this is going to be old information within a number of hours, let's talk more evergreen stuff. Evergreen. Like, yeah. Um, I wrote a piece... You know, my brain's a fog. I think it was last week that talked about what it would take to create kind of a good mood among UCLA fans in the offseason. One criteria was winning this game. So <laughs> we've already got that. I mean, there's a real possibility they win this game. Um, and then I, I obviously, Chip Kelly and UCLA, I, this is this is a scenario of, of Chip Kelly returning to UCLA, what would have to engender some good feelings. Um, you would think he'd have to sign a contract. That, that would kind of be critical. And then <clears throat> make a change at defensive coordinator. Um, I don't see... <coughs> Again, sorry. You're right. The more I talk, I'm going to just sit and listen to you, Dave. Um, I'm dropping pearls here. Yeah, you are. Uh, I haven't heard. Uh, nothing's changed. Let's put it that way. In since what I've reported, I don't know, two weeks ago. Um, 
In the meantime, Chip Kelly has hired two defensive coaches for next season. It would be, first, really, really strange and out there if he signed these guys and then he moved on himself. It would also be very strange if he were signing coaches and the defensive coordinator was not within the program at this moment. That would be very unconventional. I mean, it could happen, but unconventional. <clears throat> so the possibilities are Chip Kelly stays, very likely, given the indications of what we have. Um, as an arrow stays, uh, everyone's best guess. Or the other scenario is that Clancy Pendergast is elevated to defensive coordinator. Um, Pendergast worked uh, with, uh, is familiar with the guys that have been hired at defensive line and outside linebacker. So it kind of, all the pieces fit. Um, I don't know how that's going to go over. Um, would it placate some uh, chip naysayers that they got rid of Asanero and hired Pendergast, do you think? Or will that just fuel all the animosity throughout the offseason? Um, I think, um, uh, look, I, I think making any kind of change at defensive coordinator is going to placate some people, but I don't think that's going to placate the majority of people um, who are uh, firmly anti-Chip Kelly right now. Frankly, I don't think even firing Azanaro completely placates everyone. Because uh, it's, no, it's, no, it's been, no it's been yeah. four years. Um, yeah. Uh, but I, I, I think a change needs to be made. Um, I think doing it with, and I think you're right, like just reading the tea leaves. Um, if you were going to be hiring a new uh, defensive coordinator, you would usually want to give that person some, I don't know, leeway in building their own staff. So unless that person is already like behind the scenes hired, which seems unlikely, um, uh, it's it's gonna more than likely be as an arrow or Pendergast um, who has that role, which is uh, you know not great. I think in either respect, I think Pendergast's best days are behind him uh, pretty clearly uh, from his latter years at USC, and as an arrow may or may not have ever had best days. Um, but they're certainly not here right now. In your opinion, did you ever respect Pender Gas as a defensive coordinator? Yeah, when he first started at USC, I thought he was really good. Um, okay. Uh, but I, I think he kind of um, didn't, um, I don't know, uh, didn't adjust to the changing in offenses very well. Um, I think, like, a lot of the RPO stuff seemed to uh, start to really bother his defenses. Um I don't think he's – here's what I'll say. He's not a, a joke defensive coordinator like Azanero is. Like, I think it's going to be – if he's the defensive coordinator, I think it'll be more competent. Um, I just think he's one of those guys who de just maybe doesn't have the the tool set to deal with kind of the way offenses have changed in the last, I don't know, decade or so. Right. So, anyway, um, I, uh, I think there's – there's still ways to build some excitement um, around UCLA football heading into the offseason. But I think, it, honestly, in my opinion, I think it revolves much more around player announcements than it does around coaching staff. Because I think the coaching staff, I, I think the, the limitation now is that it's hard to imagine them going big time with their defensive coordinator hire. Which I think is the only real way to turn the uh, narrative. But... If people can be talked into the returning personnel, like if they can be talked into, like say Dorian Thompson Robinson makes a very strange decision and decides to come back to school, and <laughs> Zach Charbonnet announces it the same day, and uh, Sean Ryan's Shut like, up. I'm still weird and I want to come back, um, like the whole thing, like if all those dudes do it around the same time, then you can say, oh, we're getting the band back together. This is a team that was, especially offensively, rounding into some major form by the end of the year. They're going to be a lot of fun to watch next year. I think that maybe gets people more excited. Because I don't think there's much excitement about the, quote, direction of the program right now. But there could be excitement about, quote, next season right now. Get it. I get you. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, then let's uh, 
what's the likelihood? I mean, I haven't heard anything about uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson returning. Uh, I mean, there's the, these rando things on the internet. That, yeah, he's he's, he's, he's doing a bunch of like flirtatious Instagram posts and stuff. Who right. knows what they actually mean? Dylan Gabriel is not coming to UCLA if if um, DTR returns. No, it's, but it's that simple. No, but I guess I could see Dorian deciding like. I don't know that he doesn't want to be the guy who's just like somebody's taking a flyer on him in the NFL draft. He wants to be a guy who's going to be thought of as one of the top three or four quarterbacks in the uh, in the draft. And frankly, given how he finished this year, I don't think it's outlandish to think that he could get to that level with another year of school. You know, what's interesting, too. I, I've been re- just seeing random stories about the top 25 quarterbacks. Dorian Thompson Robinson is the top 25 quarterback in college football right now. No doubt. And. And everyone's over, completely overlooking him. Now, obviously, NFL scouts don't go by any of those slap, slappy rankings. But it's amazing how much he's been overlooked. I think he, honestly, I think a lot of it is he put too much out there because he's played every single year. And he put too much out there, uh, essentially, his second year. Where people, yeah. I think, um, didn't like finalize the book, but they wrote a lot of the book on him based on his second year of playing. When he was doing a lot of stuff that you just don't see done, like he was dropping the ball in weird situations and just looking completely out of sorts. Um, and he's more or less excised all of that uh, from his game. But I think if you were one of those evaluator types who, you know, you're only catching a couple of games of somebody every year, say you caught uh, one of his bad games this past year and one of his bad games the previous year, and but you watched a lot of him his sophomore year, you're probably like, I don't know what people are seeing. I see some, you know, lofty stats, but I've watched that guy. He sucks. Um, and the reality is he's just gotten he's gotten better. I mean, the last two years, I would say, were comfortably good mm-hmm. each of each of the two seasons. And I think towards the end of this season, um, he was rising into this guy's really good territory. Um, yeah. And so I think, yeah, I think if an NFL team took a flyer on him right now, which I think it would still be kind of that mode of thinking, it would be like fourth rounder or later. I think they would be pleased with what they got. Um, but if he comes back and he puts together 12 more games of essentially how he looked at the end of this past season, uh, yeah, I could see him being a, a much higher draft pick. So let me ask you this. I think you probably watch the NFL more than I do, but I've watched a little bit. So games here or there. And tell me if I'm wrong. Quarterbacking the NFL just generally sucks. I mean, I've watched, let's say, six games over the last couple of weeks. There, There isn't great quarterbacking in the NFL. And I'm sitting here saying, God, you know, give, give DTR a few years of development. He could absolutely do that. I mean, given what he's learned within the parameters of Chip Kelly's offense and what he knows how, how to execute a pro-style offense, I think it's completely within the realm that he's going to be able to make it in the NFL. And and he has he has something that so many quarterbacks just don't have and that we've seen that so many defenses just can't scheme against and that's his ability to to run and to create. He uh have we seen any uh, there have been times when DTR has not been effective overall throwing the ball but have we seen any team that's really shut down his legs no no not really um he's uh he's a he's become a very effective runner after starting his career not very effective um yeah I mean I think he brings a, a, a I don't know I mean I, I it's not like a sure, a sure thing. There's obviously a lot of stuff about his game that still needs refinement. Um, I think in the NFL, a lot of these guys are, especially nowadays, there's a lot of throwing off schedule. There's a lot of throwing off your, you know, throwing in weird situations, just flicking the wrist and trying to get it somewhere. And I think um, he's not there as a decision maker or as a being able to flow, being able to throw like a platform <coughs> and the whole thing. Um, but... Um, he does bring a lot and his ability to run, um, especially in today's NFL where that's become, you know, there's a lot of quarterbacks now who are running the ball a lot. Um, I think he could find a system that really works for him. So anyway, I guess my point is he could go this year and I think he could play in the NFL after a couple years. 
Um, but it wouldn't be unreasonable for him to decide he wants to come back and see if he can play himself into real, um, real money, um, which I think he could do with another really good year where he's, you know, essentially a, a second rounder instead of a, you know, probably a fourth or fifth rounder this year. So uh, makes sense. But would Dylan Gabriel have committed to UCLA with any sense? Well, it, we it's hard to know what the internal dynamics are going on because the coaching staff may have very well thought or and look, I'm, I'm speculating here, but the coaching staff could have thought three weeks ago. Uh, yeah, he's going. He's played his four years and he's, you know, he's always talked about wanting to go to the NFL. Um, but Dorian's a smart kid. He's got smart parents. Um so I I don't know. We'll see. Well, Dylan Gabriel, I'm I'm sure will enroll in. I'd be stunned if he didn't enroll in January. Well, it'd be funny for him to be a backup, wouldn't it? Oh, <laughs> this is interesting stuff we're talking about here, Dave. Yeah, I, I and I should I'm I'm just speculating based off of a um, somewhat opaque Instagram post. Um, yeah, and see, this is the thing. I uh, will readily admit. We don't have we don't have information into uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson's decision, at, at, at least recently. Uh, as of a couple of weeks ago, the indications we were getting out of the program is that they they were going to go out and look for a transfer quarterback because he was not returning. So that's still what we have. <clears throat> yeah. So. But anyway, that's kind of what I'm thinking is is the way to, to the, that UCLA could build some excitement is have a lot of these guys who are like, you know, potentially leaving decide to stay. And then you can really start to build some like marketing around, you know, the especially the offense um, returning. But yeah, you I, get those I, banners of Zach Charbonnet. This is you know, this was my point, though, with why and like, you know, whatever it's done. But like why you don't why why not fire Chip Kelly is that it is going to be hard to build excitement. Like it is going to be hard to build season ticket sales off of even nine and four. It's going to be hard. Um, and uh, that's where it gets kind of tricky. I think for UCLA as an administration is um, you don't want to um, uh, head into next year feeling like the, you know, programs in a funeral March. Um, and I think, Unless something changes in the tone, unless they do go hire a defensive coordinator who's really good and they can kind of push that, or they do get a spate of announcements saying we're coming back, uh, it's going to have a little bit of that feel. Even though yeah. next year, you know, the schedule's weak enough that it should again, even if they don't return a bunch of guys, still should again be a bowl team. Um, I don't know. There's there's a there's a lot of tough factors associated with the program right now. And then the element of, I don't know how they necessarily would market this. They would be able to market Dylan Gabriel, absolutely. But any other transfer that they get, you know, uh, all the bros would know that it might make it more exciting. This might make the team next year more exciting. But uh, you're not hang, hanging a banner down Sunset Boulevard for any of, for a transfer. Um, so, but it is exciting. It does... We've lost a lot of the momentum that we used to have heading into the February signing day. That used to be so much fun. But now we're replacing it with transfer recruiting. Um, and I got to tell you, we need to just shift our mentality because transfer recruiting is, I think, if not as fun, even more fun. Because it happens in such a small window. We don't have to sit here and listen to a 16-year-old reduce his list from 12 to 10 to 8 to 5 for a year and a half. This is like, this is a small little window. And it's and if you know this is going to get paid off within a month, it's, it's a lot more fun to follow. And these guys are real players. You know what you're getting. It's, it's I, I, I just personally think you, the transfer recruiting has the potential to be a lot more fun um, as a fan. Um, UCLA already has two commitments from Dylan Gabriel and the wide receiver from Duke, uh, Jake Bobo, who had 72 catches last year in 2021, this year. Um, and they're, they're out there recruiting uh, some guys, and it's just the beginning. Uh, this recruiting portal is going to go on 
through the spring because there'll be plenty of guys who probably enter the portal as a result of their spring practice like we we've seen uh, over the last couple of years. Um, I reported yesterday that uh, Terrell Bynum, the wide receiver at Washington, uh, he's in the transfer portal. He has one year, the COVID year remaining, the super senior year. Uh, what we've heard is that uh, he, UCLA is showing him interest and that UCLA would be his leader at this time. I think there's probably some things that still have to happen. Uh, Terrell Bynum is probably like, I mean, we've watched him enough. He, he's a solid, good receiver. He's probably getting, he was probably going to get passed up by those two young guys, uh, uh, Dunze and who's the other guy, um, in Washington's yeah, receiving yeah. core. Um, but probably a solid addition. He, he's probably Cam Brown is what he is. Uh, just another Cam Brown, maybe a little bit bigger. Uh, but, you know, he brings four years of experience. So if that happens, uh, that would be good. UCLA is clearly going after a running back. And from what I've heard, they're pursuing a running back while trying to balance um, the message on whether Zach Charbonnet comes, <laughs> comes back or not. Hey, you should come to UCLA. Look at our running offense. It's going to be really great. And the recruit, the transfer says, is Zach Charbonnet returning? You know, there have you watched Britton Brown for the last two years? <laughs> he's gained a lot of yards sharing carries, and he's going to be an NFL draft pick. So, you know, maybe you pitch that until they really know what Zach Charbonnet does. Um, but this, it's going to be very interesting. Um, Dave, we've talked about what priorities uh, you'd like to see UCLA recruit in the transfer portal uh, running back, as as we've said. Um, they've already have a, a receiver, and they are clearly going after more receivers. Um, having That is clearly that they're anticipating they're, they're losing Kyle Phillips. They've already lost uh, a really promising freshman in Keontes Lewis, which among all the guys who have entered the portal so far, that's the biggest loss and the biggest head scratcher because he's he was he was going to be a guy. Um, offensive tackle, given the question mark with Sean Ryan and Alec Anderson, if they go, the last I've heard was that it was probably more likely that Alec Anderson leaves the program than than Sean Ryan. Uh, Dave, would you say safety would be way up there? Uh, tight end, if, if Greg Dulcich leaves. I'm always thinking they need to improve their inside linebacker play. Middle linebacker would be a huge thing for me. You always need a good cornerback. I mean, they'll have Jay Shaw, uh, Kirkwood, uh, probably I'm, Mo Osler. <clears throat> I'm, I'm about ready to do. Cornerback. I'm about ready to What's climb that? onto a bell tower to start shouting about a pass rusher. Yeah, and then uh, definitely the rush end, obviously. I, and uh, we're talking the you know eight to ten transfers. So you get eight to ten transfers, it really transforms your personnel. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, I, I love the pitch, Tracy. I love the pitch for people to care about the transfer portal. I think you. I think it was compelling. I think it was good. I liked it. I thought you brought it. I thought it was. I'm, but I, that's sincere. I know, it really and it was convincing. True. And what you're saying right now, it's convincing. Um, Thank you. I uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think um, they have the ability to kind of upgrade at some spots here. Um, I I still think the major the major major priority defensively. Um, all of the other stuff being equal, they need somebody, anybody. Cloned Bruce Davis, cloned Justin Hickman, cloned Takaris uh, McKinley, whatever. You need somebody. Anthony Barr would be Anthony Barr would be great. Clone him, yeah. or just bring him back. I mean, they've got his, they, you know, his family. They've got part of his DNA at kicker, right? Can't they just go over to the cloning right. part? Right, right. UCLA. UCLA. Don't Anthony they already Barr. have like a Jurassic Park lab going on? They do actually. There is cloning going in, going on at UCLA. By the Come way, on. okay, keep going. So I guess my point is, you just get one of those six four dudes who can rush the passer. Just do that, please. If you did that, guess what? 
a whole lot of defensive issues would get fixed overnight. Overnight. You'd be like, wow, the secondary is a lot better. You know why it looks a lot better? Because they're sacking the quarterback without sending six. It's really cool. It's this newfangled idea where you get a really athletic dude on the edge and he just beats the offensive tackle. Like, I don't know, eight times a game. Do that. (laughs) That's it. Just do that. Hey, and if you can do it twice, get two of them. So there's one on one end and one on the other. Then you've really got something going. It's interesting to see how UCLA recruits and then what we hear out of the program. And I mean, a lot of times we agree with their, you know, targets and their priorities. And then other times uh, we just don't agree over the years. And like with this program, um, I kind of baited you into that. I was wondering when you were going to cut me off and say at the top of the list was a rush, a rush in. I'm, I'm sick. It was slower. Yeah, but... I'm also trying to bait UCLA into it because I don't know if they just, I think they recognize, obviously, they could really use uh, a pass rusher. But I don't think they, I don't think they really particularly see the lack, uh, what the hole that they've had in the defense without it and how it would transform their defense. You know, I think they, they know as football coaches what that would do. But they don't recognize within their own per- personnel. You know what the I stupid think. thing is, Tracy? Is that as much as I was like um, uh, naysaying the whole strategy from the beginning about big people beat up little people, yeah, all that crap. Uh, <laughs> Wait, what voice was that? I don't know. Who was that supposed to be? <laughs> Who knows? I think it was Trip Kelly, okay. but I can't do a New England accent. Who knows? Um, I convinced myself that, okay, they just get a bunch of these 6'4" you know, 235-pound guys, they're going to at least be able to develop some defensive ends who can rush the passer. Like, they're going to at least be able to do that. Because all these guys are in the right size, you know, realm of, like, the elite defensive ends that we've seen over the years. And not one. Not a single one. Yeah. Yeah, and and they've tried. There have been some guys that they thought they were really going to develop. Um uh, Lucier South, if you remember from a few years ago, they thought he was going to be the guy. I remember during spring practice, they had him, they had Jason Kafusi just doing one-on-one work, <clears throat> just teaching him all of these moves, all of this, all of this pass rush stuff. Never came to fruition. Um, yeah. It, it, just from the standpoint of watchability of UCLA football, on, when it comes to defense, there are there are a couple of things that really make something watchable. First is, well, overall, it's just you're attacking the line of scrimmage. You're uh, you're shutting down a running game, and then you're getting penetration, and and you've just putting pressure on the quarterback, and it's and it's effective, you know, with a four man rush. So that's that makes it watchable and and obviously more effective. And we just haven't been able to really enjoy watching UCLA defensive football since probably honestly Anthony Barr, right? Yeah. And and Eric Hendrick. I mean, that's it. It it, it has not been watchable since then. And Anthony Barr, because when you're watching the Anthony Barr-led UCLA defense, it's like it's like you're just even though you're watching the defense, you're watching him, you're isolating on him, you're just waiting for him to get by some guy and just knock out Barkley, right? Yep. That that's what you're waiting for. We haven't had that, and that's that's what it needs. It's also it's all. I mean, come on, let's recognize this is also a star-driven thing right uh, uh and that's your star that's the guy you i mean quantrez knight has been good but he still he didn't make major headlines because you know he's not going to get 12 sacks a season how many did anthony Barr get that year i think it was like 13 and a half 13 and something a half, like yeah. that uh, that's what you need he was the star um 
And that that makes it watchable too. And if you're talking about next year, what you can market. Dang, how about a defensive end in that first game who gets like four sacks in one game? Then he can start marketing something. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but there's no, there's none of that. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's that's the football situation. Um, I think there's still room for some excitement. It's going to require some player announcements. Those will come after the bowl game. Um, so the bowl game will happen later today. Uh, basketball will eventually play another basketball game. Yeah, I mean, right now, where are we with that? Completely up in the air. I've been trying to ask people, and everyone is just invariably shrugging their shoulders, um, saying anything could happen at this point. The Pac-12 is scrambling. I mean, they're hoping they'll be able to reschedule all those games. Um, Next week, UCLA goes to Stanford. Stanford's in protocols right now. Stanford's in protocol right now. Stanford is traditionally very, they showed it during 2020 and the basketball, football and basketball season. They're very conservative um, when it comes to COVID protocol. Will they, will they be able to play by Thursday? I don't think so. Unless, I've asked unless they people change the, the, the li- unless they really adjust to the CDC's new guidelines very quickly, and even then, I think that those guidelines are based on like asymptomatic. Which, I uh, look, uh, there's been a lot of talk of quote asymptomatic, and every time I hear that, they're they're uh, inevitably I hear later, oh yeah, we had like sniffles and sore throats and stuff, and it's like, what did you think symptomatic meant? <laughs> Like, what did you yeah. think it meant? Did you think it meant you were on, like, uh, oxygen? Because that's not what symptomatic yeah. means. A symptom yeah. is your runny nose, dummy. See, and then what are you doing? Are you actually trusting? Like, let's say guy had a little bit of a, a runny nose, but he says, no, I, I didn't have symptoms. I, I, I mean, how do, you, how do you check from player to player if he had symptoms or not? No, this feels like the new, uh, you know, no, I don't have a concussion. I can't see straight, but no, I don't have a concussion. And everyone just taking their word for it. Yeah. It's, whatever. Like, honestly, at this point, uh, it's all, it's all, um, you know. We are nine days away from that basketball game. Yeah. And if the um, timing is similar, then it would mean Stanford, if they were like all getting it at the same time and they're all on the same timeline, they would only be able to start practicing like a couple days before that game. Right. Which, again, we just saw that with the Arizonas, where UCLA may or may not have been able to begin practicing today, uh, according to Jalen Clark's uh, Instagram post. Um, <laughs> but uh, but uh, they, they uh, wouldn't have enough time to get ready for the game. Yeah. So I, I and as I said, too, Stanford has been very conservative. Here's my in, in here's that. my solemn promise to everyone out there. You will, again, be able to watch UCLA basketball this season. I do not know exactly when. Look at you. But they're not going to cancel the season. I know there was a lot of, no. there was a lot of, um, a lot of sad talk on the message boards uh, from a few people like saying, oh, they're just going to cancel this. They're not going to cancel the season. No one, and uh, to, 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 whether to society's detriment or benefit, no one is taking this that seriously anymore. Um, and so the reality is they're going to start this thing up just as soon as enough teams are ready to, uh, kind of go again. Um, would the NCAA, I mean, would they cancel that tournament? No, God, no. There is no way. How many, how many billions is that? Nothing worth? stops this train. Um, yeah, there's no way. And there, there's no way that the leagues are going to go for it again. Um, there was too much backlash last time they tried to cancel football season. Um, they're not going to do it again. And um, reality for the this variant is that more than likely, like all the other waves before it, there will be a downside to the wave, um, and that'll come within a few weeks. And at that point, it's going to be game on, even if everything up to that point is a absolute mess. Have we heard anything about the Cal basketball team? No, but Cal has been the most interesting of all um, exactly. the municipi- yep. munip- municipalities in dealing with this. So um, who knows? Yeah, Cal may cancel their season, and who would care? <laughs> I, I I could see maybe the Stanford game getting postponed, but 
UCLA is coming out of protocol, so they're going to be, they should be, you know, good to go and prepared. And if Cal doesn't have any, anything, maybe, maybe that's how it happens next weekend. Yeah. But I think, yeah, I think UCLA is going to be good to go probably by next week. Um, they will, I would guess they're probably going to be back to practicing sometime this week if they all more or less got exposed at the same time, which was now two weeks ago. Um, so the timing's right. Makes sense. Um, and if there's a team that you would think would be able to hit the ground running more than others, it would be a veteran-laden team like UCLA that uh, com- compared to others that – there are so many teams out there that were still trying to fit their pieces together. Um, you know, <laughs> coming out of the transfer portal of, with eight or nine new players, not really even knowing who plays what role uh, – you would think UCLA would be able a little bit more nimble on its feet, on landing on its feet and being able to play. And then you'd have, well, Cody Cody Riley's got to be just dying. That's what I'm saying. It's like, I'll throw out a little disgusting speculation that maybe will rub certain people very wrong, but this might actually work out to UCLA's benefit in some ways, um, because they're going to have a much more healthy and able to play Cody Riley um, for whenever this Arizona game gets rescheduled than they we're probably going to have in whatever his second game back on December 30th. Um, So that might actually work out to UCLA's benefit in the, in the, in the, in the narrow context of winning the basketball game. Um, So we'll see. We'll see when that gets rescheduled. I'm, I'm interested to see when they try to fit these in. The Arizona games are going to be a requirement to reschedule. Uh, The PAC 12 is not, not going to accept. um, Oh, we tried and we just couldn't make it work. No, it's, it's, they're going to force that to happen because the three best teams need to play each other as much as possible. Stanford Cal? Eh. Stanford Cal, um, I'm not convinced, actually, that Stanford and Cal basketball exist. <laughs> so um, I don't know that that, you know, the figment of our collective imagination that is the Bay Area road trip, I don't know that that needs to be rescheduled. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. have we have we uh, ruined our voices enough today? I'm just I'm finally to the point where I can actually talk. But yeah, let's end this. Yeah, I'm, because uh, it, I could get hit by it at any moment, and then it would just be game over. So, all right. Well, everyone, enjoy the holiday bowl this evening. I, I, I I'm I'm giving you a 93 percent lock guarantee that it's going to happen. Um, and then hopefully we get to watch some UCLA basketball here pretty soon in the new year. Um, but for Tracy Pearson. I'm David Woods, Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network, and we will talk to you again next time. Everyone stay safe out there.